This is the Pariah Podcast, written and read by me, Philip Carroll. This is episode 23, A Boy and His Companion. Dinner was approaching as Keo and his creature made their way back to the cottage. He checked regularly to see if the pig frog was tiring, but she seemed to have endless endurance. The mess hall closest to his cottage sat immediately off the road Keo traveled. A crowd gathered, waiting for the evening meal, and Keo tried to skirt widely around them. Something in the milling group of creature handlers caught his eyes. Orange hair. Hope rose inside him, filling a cavity he didn't realize was empty, and he was inescapably drawn toward his old friend. However, he didn't want to get close enough to other people that his creature would cause a distraction. Keo worked his way around the group slowly, trying to get into a position where he could catch Bree's eye. He caught someone's eye, but it wasn't hers. "'Hey, look, it's the pig farmer!' Storgant Vangled shouted and strode toward him. Keo looked past the other boy, still hoping to get Bree's attention, but he could no longer see her. "'What are you doing here, pig boy? This is where the real creature handlers eat.' Go find your trough somewhere else, Storgant said, and stepped right in front of Keo, preventing him from continuing his search. Subconsciously, Keo's hand went to his sword hilt. Get out of the way, Vangled. I'm not here to see you. Huh, Vangled grunted and followed with a raucous laugh. Are you going to run me through for getting in your way? I didn't think you needed a sword to defend yourself. At one time, you were so strong you could throw a pitchfork farther than anyone else. What's the matter? Not such a big man anymore? No, not so much. Anyway, don't you have something to do? I need to talk to someone, and it's not you. Keo's knee pounded painfully after the day's long walk to Camp Town and carrying the bundles of new uniforms back with him. Yet, he felt lamer for not having a better comeback than that. Come on, Noshani, or is it nobody now? You aren't much to look at anymore, and where's that destiny you are always bragging about? You don't look like much to me, Vangled laughed, looking at his friends to laugh along with him. Keo wondered, is that how he came across? Bragging? He'd always known his destiny was important, but he never believed that made him any better than anyone else. Keo, Bree said, pushing between them taking him by the arm and turning her back on the bully. Storgant looked surprised and disappointed, like someone had just slipped a slice of pie right out of his hand. You better practice with that sword or I'm going to take it away from you. You don't deserve to have that kind of weapon, especially now that you're a pig farmer again. Storgant laughed and walked back to the mess hall line. It's good to see you, Bree, Keo said. He felt totally out of control. His confidence as a fighter was gone. His confidence as a leader was even weaker. And now he'd let Storgant verbally walk all over him. What was Bree going to think of him? Is that how I sound when I talk about my destiny? Like I'm bragging? She shrugged. I don't know. Maybe a little, I guess. But that's not important. I'm just glad to see you. Where are you going? 
I didn't know you were out this way. What did your creature turn out to be, and why haven't I seen you in the mess hall before? She asked in rapid fire. I thought you knew. I thought everyone knew. My creature's over there in the bushes. It seems like Vangled knows all about it. Kia wasn't bitter about his creature. Why then was he embarrassed by Storgan's comments? And more importantly, why was he hesitant to share about his creature with Bree? I haven't heard. I figured it wasn't a tiger hawk, though. And I'm really sorry that I have to put up with that arrogant bull, Vangled. I can't imagine my tiger hawk liking him at all. He has a tiger hawk? Keo felt sick. Yes, and he's our first year section leader. You would have been so much better than him, she said, looking out at the corner of her eye. You'd be so much better than either of us, Keo said. Bree frowned and wrinkled her nose. Do you smell that? Something smells dead or rotten, Bree said. Unable to control the sudden emotion, Keo bristled. No, actually, I don't smell it anymore. Not much, at least. You probably smell my creature. He looked around, and sure enough, she waddled toward them. This is my creature. I don't know what she's called. A pig frog or something. No one knows. I live in a cottage at the end of the road. The sign on the door says pariah. You can probably guess why. I think she's cute. Bree said, but not breathing through her nose. She's the one from your vision, isn't she? Yes. You better go eat, Bree. Your whole group has gone in, Keo said. Oh, I guess so, she said, sounding disappointed and looking at the building. She turned back and said, I hope I'll see you in your creature again sometime. Me too, he said, though he didn't think he would. Keo walked on to the cottage, shaking his head and feeling like a fool. Why did I talk to her like that? Like I was an idiot or something? He asked his creature. She looked up at him as they walked, but she could say nothing. Have I been away from people so long that I can't even talk to them anymore? I mean, where's my confidence? I still have my destiny, just not the same one I thought I had before. All of a sudden, Vangled shows up and I can't find the confidence to straighten my hose. I'll tell you, girl, I wanted to hit him. I wanted to take out my sword and put an end to his harassment. Indignation burned in his chest, and he blinked to clear the angry vision from his mind. He could see himself fighting Storgant and running him through with the precious sword everyone admired. No, you can't do that, the woman from the lake said. Keo looked around, expecting to see her, but only saw his creature walking at his feet. Though she did look up at him, with a sense of reproach in her bulbous eyes. I might, if he pushes me. If he pushes me too much, I might not be able to control myself, he argued. The creature never moved her eyes from him, and he didn't see her lips move. He heard the woman's voice, as clear as his feet scraping along the gravel road. Is that why you've suffered patiently? through pain and isolation, to rebuild yourself only to seek revenge and thus destroy yourself and destroy your destiny? He stopped walking and looked down at the pig frog. She sat on her haunches, returning Keo's gaze. They stared at one another until his knee throbbed and he turned back toward the cottage. 
neither spoke again that evening. Nick placed the tin lantern on the table next to the bed. Though dim, the light reached far enough to illuminate each of the small room's four stone walls. He had just left his black lion in the stables across the courtyard from the barracks. Though it was hundreds of yards away, Nick still felt its presence. He had been aware of his creature continuously since the egg cracked in the back of his mind, whether he was near or far from his companion. The reality of having such a partner after so many years of being alone, worse than alone, isolated and suspicious of everyone who approached, questioning their motives, his creature's trust and adoration were virtually incomprehensible. He wanted to stop what he was doing and run back to his lion. Others in his section had named their creatures. Nick didn't know of a name that deserved such an honor as being placed upon his companion. His hand went to the talisman, hanging from the leather thong beneath his tunic, the finger joint of his father, wrapped with strands of his mother's hair. He didn't know his mother's name. They would both be honored to have the other bear that name. Regardless, the creature would have to go nameless until he could somehow divine his mother's name. His hand still on the talisman, Nick closed the door to his room and listened for footsteps in the stone hallway. With only a few drops of his holy water left, he couldn't afford to use the sand tray and cast a rune of silence. Instead, he carefully slid a wooden plank into iron brackets to bar the door. No one would enter intentionally this late at night. He didn't want to risk an accident. Nick knelt on the stone floor and placed the talisman an arm's length in front of him, just beyond his shadow cast by the lantern. He shook the leather pouch holding the bone fragments. He'd added runes to a few more of the pieces and spilled them across the talisman. Without looking at the bones and their markings, he spread them a hand's width away from the center where the talisman lay. He'd lost one of the scrying bones to the fire of the oracle's arrival before. Once lost, an exact copy can't be replicated. Nick began to note the visible runes. Urgency. Danger. Before he could read more, flames rose from the talisman. The oracles appeared almost immediately, their gaunt, translucent forms hunched over in the low-ceilinged room. They shared their prophecy in shrieks and sighs. The harvest is upon you. Reap the harvest. Lock the door. The careless man waits. The fruit is ripe and must be plucked on the world's shortest night while the night is light. The careless man waits and waits. The door must be closed before the light shines in. The careless man must wait again for a shortest night when the night is bright. Lock the door, bar the door, burn the door. The careless man waits and waits and waits. With gasps and shudders, the oracles dissolved. On the tail of its final sigh, half the oracle whispered, I am Thea. My mother's name was Thea. Nick repeated out loud before the knowledge from the vision faded. The oracle's words would be gone within minutes until he'd slept 
and allowed the vision to distill its vital information into his mind. He wanted this small piece of information to stay with him, so he said again, My mother's name was Thea. My creature's name is Thea. With a final perusal of the bones, the runes, and their arrangement, he gathered them into their pouch and placed the talisman back around his neck. Keo rarely left the area close to his cottage, and his creature seemed to be fine with that. She followed him around inside the cottage from room to room and out into the yard. As he practiced with his sword, hacking and slashing at imaginary adversaries, she dug into the dead leaves beneath the bushes and along the base of the house, looking for insects and small rodents. One evening, as midsummer approached, Keo stood on his front porch and tried to think of when he'd last spoken to another person. He couldn't remember. It's important for people to feel like they're still part of the same group, he said to his creature, as if she'd asked him a question. Come on, let's walk to the dining facility. If nothing else, I can talk to the cook. The pig frog had grown almost double her size at hatching but was still well short of what the nest indicated would be her full size. She could easily keep pace with Keel, and getting to the mess hall took much less time than it had on their first trip. The air was still warm, though the sun was down, and it was a pleasant night for a walk. As they approached the mess hall, a creature section practiced night drills in a field nearby. The creature handlers stood in a line, with their companions next to them. On a command shouted at one end of the line, all the creatures leapt into the air, pounding their wings, flying just above the ground, directly out from their handlers. At a second command, they all spun around and returned to their humans. Even in the darkness, Keo saw the animals were tiger hawks. He looked for a sign of Bree in the line of handlers. Her creature flew to her, and, flapping its massive wings, hung at eye level before dropping to the ground and rubbing against her leg. Those creatures had grown considerably from their hatched size. What had been the size of a small cat at birth was now four times that, easily as big as an average hunting dog. "'Hey, nobody,' Storgant called from the line. "'Who invited you back into the real world?' Keo walked to the mess hall, ignoring the pest. Keo pointed to the bushes along the side of the building. You can look for mice or something outside. I'll be back in a little. Keo walked into the mess hall. Trainee first class no shani, the cook called. Though he didn't look it, he said. I'm glad you came in. I didn't want to walk all the way out to your cottage. I'm getting fat in my old age, and all that walking would probably do me in. Was the taciturn chef joking with him? Keo smiled in response. Oh yeah? You don't look that fat for a cook. What were you supposed to tell me? He nodded and patted his moderate belly, though his arms and shoulders were well muscled from years of kneading bread dough. There's a big banquet on Midsummer Night. We set tables out on the grass, and everyone eats together. We wanted to make sure you were aware of it. We'll be making some of the traditional treats from around the kingdom. It's a great feast. You really should come. Thanks. I'll think about it. 
right now, do you have any leftovers like roast beef or maybe stew? We have both over there on the table, the cook said, pointing with his chin. Take as much as you want. We'll throw away what's left in the morning. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Keo said as the cook went back into the kitchen. He gathered up several slices of cold roast and potatoes and wrapped them in a cloth. Back outside, he asked the pig frog, Do you like potatoes? They're cooked, and they probably taste a lot like the roast they were cooked with. You want to try one? He tossed it down to her, and she ate it, with an emotional mix of surprise and satisfaction. You shouldn't come around here, Storgan said, suddenly close by. Keo hadn't seen him approach. No one wants you here, and your creature's useless. It's an embarrassment. It's ugly, and it smells up the whole camp. The only foul smell I noticed is you, Keo muttered. Storgant, Bree shouted as she came up to them. You're out of line. You've been told that already. You've been picking fights. If the instructors hear about this, they're going to give you some remedial training. And how are they going to hear about it, you rotting dog skin? Vangled swore at her. Listen, Keo stepped up to Storgan and shoved his finger in the boy's face. You insult her again and I'm going to show you a new side of yourself, your inside self, because I'm going to turn you inside out. Vangled laughed and called to his tiger hawk. Jabber, attack! He pointed his finger at Keo. Storgan! No! Bree shouted. That's against... The tiger hawk flew for Keo's face, hissing and claws extended, but a yard away it did a backflip and flew the opposite direction to settle on the ground behind Storgant. The designate third turned crimson and shouted again, Jabber, attack! The tiger hawk flew at Keo again, with renewed intensity. Again, a yard away, it suddenly reversed direction. Storgant changed his tactic. He pointed instead at Keo's creature and shouted, Jabber, get that rotting pig and tear it to pieces. Keo was about to throw himself over the pig frog when he saw Storgan's tiger hawk do nothing. It acted as if it hadn't heard, or if it had, it didn't care to follow its master's instructions. You watch, pig farmer. I'm going to get you and take you out of this picture. And if your gravel-faced girlfriend tries to get in the way, she's going to disappear with you. Storgan growled at his tiger hawk and stamped away. I'm sorry, Bree. I bring out the worst in him. He said some awful things, but I don't think he meant them to be personal. I think he just hates everyone. You don't know the half of it, Keo. I have to deal with him every day now. He's not stable. I'm afraid someday he will really try to do something to you. Let him try, Bree. He'll have a bit of a surprise himself. Keo shrugged his shoulders and shook himself to try to regain a sense of calm. Will you be at the Midsummer's Night Banquet? Bree's eyes suddenly lit up. Yes, Keo. Will you be there? I'll look for you. Great. That will be fun. He nodded and turned back toward his cottage. Chagrined, he had learned something unexpected from his fight with Storgant. Keo smiled and set to thinking of a name for his creature. Had his sister named her Tiger Hawk? He'd never considered it. The long days in the week before midsummer passed slowly as Keo counted down until he would be able to see his good friend again. 
All right. The cottage is clean and I'm ready for bed, Leany, Keo said to his creature. Twilight was only coming on, though it was already past three hours before midnight. Midsummer's Day celebrations would begin early the next morning. He didn't plan on joining any of the competitions or group activities. He only hoped to see Bree at dinner and then maybe dance a turn or two with her. Keo pulled off his linen summer hose and tunic and lay down on his cot. Leany, as he called his creature now, walked to her room to settle down to sleep as well. Had he been asleep? Keo heard a sound from Leany's room, and though it was fully dark, he knew when she walked out and sat on the floor looking at him. He sensed concern and maybe fear. He'd never felt fear from her before and sat on the edge of his bed. What? Keo sent a message to her in his mind. Warning, her thought returned to him. Keo slipped silently across the room and pulled the sword from its sheath where it hung on the wall. No fighting. I won't start anything, but I'm not going out there unarmed to take a beating like I did before. He tiptoed quickly to the front door and waited, listening. He heard nothing, but he felt their emotions, anticipation, excitement, fear, revenge, and hate. He knew each of them, not by name, but by sight. Each one a designate third, each one a crony of Storgant Vangled. He was there, too, at their lead. Keo opened the door as calmly as his jangled nerves allowed and walked onto the porch. The others formed a half-circle, a boundary they did not intend to let him pass. They wore hoods as they had the day at the swamp. Storgant, are you such a coward that you have to cover your head to kill someone? No one spoke. I know each of your stooges. I can count. I'm surprised you were able to bring them all here. He won't matter if you knew who we are when you're dead, Storgant said and pulled off his hood. None of the others were as brave. Keo noted a second half-circle of glowing eyes a few yards behind the boys. They'd brought their creatures with them to participate in their first kill. Keo walked forward to stand at the epicenter of the projected circle. His knee felt stiff and dull, though his wrist had regained most of its original suppleness. He held the bare sword in his hand. Do not do this. You must not kill. I didn't start this, Leany. They did. And if I kill one of them, it will be in self-defense. Storgant laughed. Who do you think you're talking to? Are you trying to scare us by acting crazy? You must not kill anyone. I don't want to, but I didn't want to start this either. Storgant laughed again and walked casually toward Keo, his own blade drawn, flicking the tip side to side where it hovered at knee level. How about if I just take your leg off? Then you have a reason to limp around like a cripple. I don't believe your sword is as sharp as your tongue. You'd have to kill me first to be able to spend the half hour it would take to hack off my leg with that dull piece of iron. Keo felt the boy's rage flare at the insult that must have cut through him and into his family as well. He lunged at Keo, the sword aimed at his heart. Keo deflected the sword with ease. At the sound of ringing steel, 
The other eight boys leapt forward, but stopped in confusion, as each of their creatures hissed or moaned in the animal's nature. Storgant came in with a crosscut at Keo's sword arm, but the attack was parried as well. "'Where are you?' Storgant hissed. "'I'm right here in front of you, Vangled,' Keo replied. "'Not you, you rotting bastard,' he said, and then shouted to his team, "'Where are you?' They started to move forward again, but their creatures howled and hissed and moaned in anger and fear. "'Our creatures are telling us not to, Vangled,' one of the still-hooded boys said. "'I heard mine. It specifically said no. I don't know what to do.' "'Ignore your rotting creature and get over here to help me,' Vangled cursed. Keo struck at Storgant, catching him during his moment of distraction, and went for the boy's face." Vangled barely had time to get his sword into place to deflect Keo's powerful blow. Keo, you must not kill the boy. I want to, Lini, more than anything. Each time my leg pains me, each time I look at the scars on my body, each time I think of the swamp, and instead of the joys of finding my egg, finding you, the images of attack, of pain, and of defeat overwhelm me with rage. I need to kill this rotting son of a designate bastard, or those images will haunt me for the rest of my life. No, Keo, those will fade with time, and with that will come growth and the fulfillment of your destiny. Your destiny with me cannot be if you kill this boy or any other person. Storgant jumped forward, putting all his weight into a downward chop at the top of Keo's head. The boy had more confidence than skill, and Keo saw the attack coming. He deflected the blow and sidestepped, allowing all of Vangel's energy to chop his sword into the ground. With a cry of anger and frustration, Vangel fell forward onto the dewy grass. Keo's rage took him away, and he stomped his bare foot on Storgan's chest with all his strength. He felt bone give way beneath his heel. Ah! The boy on the ground screamed and covered his chest with both arms. Keo placed the tip of his sword in the hollow of Storgan's throat. An uncontrolled gasp raised his neck enough for the blade to pierce the skin. Blood trickled down the side of the boy's neck. All of Keo's anger and frustration rose at once. Everything this boy had done to him and his friends flashed through his mind. Meldine Clanchett, with her scalded hand, Gildner Panderstash and his broken skull, and Wender Poltice, who lost his place in the Creature Handler Corps by bowing to Vangold's pressure. Crystal, Bree, and his corps who all took the brunt of the spoiled designate third's self-serving abuse. He let the weight of the sword drop it further towards Storgan's throat, and blood flowed freely from the deepening wound. Keo, stop! You must not kill him! I have to. He's been a block in my progression since the day I met him. He has harassed me at every turn. I have to kill him to attain my destiny. The woman from the swamp stood before him again, her naked body glistening with oily swamp mud. Her big familiar eyes were sad. She held out her hand to him and said, Keo, my love, you must remain free of another's blood to attain your destiny. Your destiny is close. It waits in the hollow below the cottage. Everything this boy has done to you 
has only reinforced your strengths and ensured your destiny until this moment. If you choose now to take his life, all will be lost. She was gone. Bree stood before him. Keo, don't do this. You're a better man than he is. If he dies, he wins, Bree said, tears streaming down her face, wetting those beloved freckles. Vangel's whole body shook. His eyes turned up in his head in his abject fear, showing only the whites. Keo stepped back and lifted his sword from the boy's throat. Bree threw her arms around him. Her tiger hawk rubbed against the back of her legs, and Keo felt empty. Vangel's thugs helped him to his feet and escorted him away. Keo stepped back from Bree and looked around for his creature and almost tripped over her sitting behind him. Lini, was that you? Are you the woman I saw in the swamp? She said nothing and presented no emotion for him to try to read. Is that who you were speaking to? The woman you saw in the swamp? Bree asked. And who's Lini? She's Lini, Keo said, pointing to his creature. She sat on the ground, her arms and legs tucked beneath her, and resembled as much a large rock with round, glistening eyes as a living creature. I named her Selene, but I call her Lini. I don't know why. You named her after your sister? Well, it's a good thing she's a creature handler first, before Camp Commander, so she'll know what an honor that actually is. She would have had you court-martialed and flogged otherwise. Yeah, Keo tried to laugh. I wasn't really thinking when I named her, and she took to it before I could change it. I didn't want to name her after, well, after one of the other girls in my life, who means a lot to me. You mean you were going to name her Crystal? Bree asked, and did laugh. Why didn't I think of that? That would have been perfect, but no. My first thought was to name her after you, but I find it hard to say your name when you're not around. Sure. Speak of the devils and you'll find them in your garden, right? Exactly. Keo let out a shuddering sigh. Bree, I wanted to kill him so badly. Even now I wish I had. He shook with anger. He has caused me so much pain, I just wanted to give him some back. And you would have been hauled before the commanders again, at the least, and possibly imprisoned, or sentenced to death at the worst. I'm glad you didn't harm him too badly. I'm going to report this to my senior section leader, she said. Don't give me that look. I know you won't report it yourself, and as long as no one knows about it, he can come back and do it again. Bree stepped back close to him again and put her hands on his shoulders. She pulled him against her and whispered, You've done too much that is good to deserve any more abuse. You're too good of a person to fall to his level. He felt his creature jab her nose into his calf. Lini's getting jealous, Keo said. Then Bree looked at him in surprise. He kissed her. Keo looked up at the stars when they stepped back apart and said, I'll look for you at dinner tomorrow night. I was hoping to have a chance to take a turn or two around the dance floor. Good night, Keo, Bree said, reaching out to scratch her tiger hawk behind the ears. And people think I'm strange because I'm from another country. I'll look for you at the dance. 
Kia walked back to the door of the cottage, with Lini right behind him. He stopped and turned on her. Did you interfere with those creatures and keep them from attacking? Lini appeared to not understand the question. Did you talk to the creatures? Yes. Did you tell them to hiss and complain? No. Did they hiss and complain because of what you said to them? Yes. Are you the woman who appeared to me? No answer. Do you know what she meant when she said my destiny waited for me in the draw behind the cottage? No. Instead of entering the cottage, Lini skirted around it to the back. Keo followed. They stood at the top of the draw, looking down toward the willows and oaks squeezed into it at the bottom. In the light of the full moon, the trees all blended into a dark, undulating mass of foliage. Something from the back of his mind, told him there was a place down there to hide. Was that what the woman meant? That he should hide among the trees in the draw? That's no destiny. Kia went back around the house. He closed the door after Lini came in, dropped a heavy plank into the iron brackets, and went back to bed. He lay there, staring at the dark ceiling, until the sun came up. Thanks for listening to the Pariah Podcast. If you'd like updates on the podcast, other fiction I'm working on, or to join my monthly newsletter where you'll get a free short story from one of my environments, go to norvaljoe.com. You'll be directed from there. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.